Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive and well because he is alive, and that power lives in us. We come to worship you this morning, and we ask that your spirit would speak to us the word of God, that we would know that we have come into the presence of the living God this morning, and that as we go, we will know that we have been blessed and empowered to be the light in the darkness, to be good news in a world of bad news, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this place and around the world. We ask this in his name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. My name's Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Covenant Church, and it is good to be home. As many of you know, uh, Greg and Kara and I were in Chicago for this last week at our annual Midwinter Pastors Conference for our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, and it was an amazing week of connecting with colleagues and hearing wonderful speakers and having a chance to just be part of the, the worship crowd and not have to be up front on the platform leading, and it was just such a blessing to be together and uh, we had a great time, and I bring greetings from our denominational leaders, and just know that uh, it is such a wonderful gift that you all allow us to be able to go and be refreshed and renewed and uh, empowered in that way. So it was a great week, but it is always good to be home. Unfortunately, I came home to a sick son and a sick wife, so Lucas and Tammy have this flu thing that's going around, so they're not able to be with us today. Um, But it's good that I can come home and uh, play nursemaid a little bit because it's hard to be gone from your family when they're sick. Our story is a story of faith. We are Faith Covenant Church because we are a people of a long line of a people of faith. And we have been using this series as we're going through the first 10 chapters of the the book of Acts and looking at the the birth of the early church and, and, and telling our faith story as well, along with the faith story of those early first disciples who received the power of the Holy Spirit as a gift from the risen Christ. And uh, we are exploring the God stories that happened in their lives, as well as the God stories that have happened in our faith tradition and history here in this place. Uh, As we are telling the story of the church, we're remembering that the story of the church is really the story of the unleashing of the power of the Holy Spirit to empower God's people to become Christ's witnesses, to tell his story, not only in their hometown and in their surrounding region, but to to go where the Spirit would lead them all over the world. And the experiences that these first Christians had were understanding shaped a whole new sense of what it meant to be community together in Christ. It shaped a whole new sense of an identity and what it means to be born again in Christ. It shaped a whole new sense of meaning to the work that they had to do, both in their homes and in their workplaces, as well as in their faith community. And ultimately, it gave them a whole new sense of purpose and calling in their life. And, and we've been talking about how that community, identity, meaning, and purpose developmental process is really our pathway of discipleship as well. We recognize we all need to grow in each of those areas, and we're seeking for places of belonging. We're seeking to become more and more of of who God has shaped us to be. We're hoping to find meaning and value in what we can contribute to our church and to the world around us and feel like we've been given gifts that God has given us to give away, and that gives us a sense of value, and ultimately that leads to a deeper sense of purpose, that God has get, put us here for a reason. We have been called by God to be light in the darkness, to be good news in a world of bad news. 
We've explored how early pioneers were called and empowered by God to plant a a church as a mission outpost in 1877 in the Northwest Territories of the United States. And with George Whitworth as their founding pastor, faithful men and women and families like the Ryans and the Kincaids combined their lives and their resources to form a Christian community that would become the center of life and culture of community and education in the Puyallup Valley and the surrounding area. Last week, Pastor Dick carried the story on of the early church in Acts chapter 2, where we also learned that those early believers learned to to have everything in common, to to share their resources, to become a, a center of life and community in their day, and that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We heard about geese, and we uh, heard from a geezer, Bert Ellison. <laughs> we get, whew. Couldn't resist. Sorry, brother. I may pay for it later, yes. Pay dearly. But we have such a rich history and a rich story, and each person here represents a piece of God's story that he is weaving together into his story. And whether you've been here for 60 years or you've been here for six weeks, we are all invited to see our story as part of this larger panorama of history that God is painting on the canvas of this world. And whether we're a small brushstroke or we fill a whole portion of the canvas, we're equally important in the larger picture of the story that that painting tells. What we discover is that Christian community, as we are formed into community in Christ, leads to a whole new sense of identity and who we are in Christ. And it's out of our relationships with one another. The Holy Spirit works and moves and through the word of God helps us to see that God has shaped us uniquely for his purposes. And that as we band together with brothers and sisters of the faith, we are used by God in powerful ways to make a difference in the lives of other people. We are formed in relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, and that power of the Spirit forms in us a whole new understanding of who we are and who God has called us to be. We pick up the story of the early church in Acts chapter 3 this morning, and as this fledgling community discovers relationship and power with one another, and a new identity begins to form, we see God showing up in miraculous and amazing ways in the lives of the people who are leading the community and the people who are participating. In chapter 3, we hear the story of Peter and John, who they're just going about their daily lives, and they're going to church one Sunday. Well, it was probably a Saturday, because they were Jewish, and they were probably going to the temple. But they're on their way to worship, And it says, one day in verse 1, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man was lame, who was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. We talked about this earlier in the series, and we are recognizing again in this poignant story with Peter and John on the way to the temple, that when the Holy Spirit arrives, everything changes. When the Holy Spirit arrives, everything changes. Because the Holy Spirit creates a transformation in our own identity, as we sang today, from the inside out, that in Christ we become a whole new creature, and we understand our lives in a whole new light. In this story, we see these early believers being transformed from an ethnic Jewish identity to what we would now call a Christian identity, which had so much broader perspective on what this whole religious life was about. We see going on in this early community that there's this dawning realization that the spiritual life is less about human religious striving and effort, and it's more about experiencing a divine empowerment to become more than we ever thought we could be on our own. We see Christians being transformed in their life to living from life in their own strength to living a life empowered by the Spirit. We see Peter and John on their way to the temple, uh, passing somebody that we might experience every day in our own life, somebody who's down and out, somebody who's had hard knocks in life, somebody who's looking for a handout. They're just in need of a little bit of change so they can buy some bread or or get a meal or maybe they want to have a beer. And they're looking if they can just get a little bit of change, a little bit of money. Maybe they can make it a few more hours in their life. They can get by the next day. And, 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 and we, we, we are torn on how to help people like that. We have compassion and a desire to help, but we also know that if we just throw change in their cup, that might not make any difference, and we might just be empowering them to go on living a dysfunctional pattern in their life. And so we're, we're torn. And we don't know what to do because we don't have the strength in our own power to change somebody's life to transform years of of difficulty and perhaps post-traumatic stress disorder or mental illness or all the things that might cause people to run into difficulties or or maybe they got hit by an economic downturn and they're down on their luck and now they find themselves somewhere in life where they never imagined they would be. Silver and gold I do not have, Peter says, but what I do have, I give you. You see, when the Holy Spirit shows up, We begin to realize that it's not our own strength 
and our own power and our own silver and gold that God calls us to give away on behalf of his kingdom. What God calls us to give away is a gift that no man can do. It's a power available through the resurrected Christ to transform lives, to transform hearts, to miraculously heal people from the inside out. It is a power that rose Jesus from the grave, and it is a power that lives in us today. And when we realize that this is the kind of life that God is inviting us to experience in relationship with Jesus, it turns our own sense of identity upside down. We begin to realize that we're not the masters, we're the servants. We're not the miracle workers, but the conduits through which God works his mighty power in the lives of those around us. And we begin to realize that this is both humbling, but also exalting. And we're reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 23 when he said, The greatest among you will become like your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, amazingly, we are the ones who have been entrusted with this power to give away on behalf of the world around us. There is an amazing resurrection power that has come into our lives, that has transformed our own identities to be ones who lived lives as the masters of our own destiny, to ones that allowed us to put our trust in the maker of all creation and to to put our destiny in his hands, to identify as followers of his son, Jesus. And to offer to others this power that no man can do. Yet this morning I'd like to suggest that too often we try to do this Christian life and we try to minister in God's name out of our own strength and our own wisdom and our own power. And we skip over the whole point about why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to begin with. You'll remember at the beginning of the series, we started with Jesus' command to his disciples in Acts 1.8 to go and wait. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. and You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we, we talked the, the week after that first Sunday in our staff meeting about that verse, and we discussed it, and, and I felt like it was God putting on my heart that that second part of that verse, that we are witnesses of Jesus to Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth, that's a huge calling. And for those of us who take that calling seriously, it becomes a heavy weight and a burden to say, how, how do we do that? How do we live into this high calling and purpose that God has made us to be his witnesses, to be his storytellers, to carry the power of the Spirit into the world around us? And I think too often we become fearful and overloaded by the weight of that burden because we take it seriously. But we skip over the first half of the verse where Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it's the power of the Spirit that comes on us, that we invite to to take control in our lives, that we open ourselves to His power working through us, and we, we give up on our own strength and our own wisdom. We humble ourselves, recognizing that without the power of God at work, there's nothing that we can do to transform another person's life, or to even transform our own life. Too often, we try to minister to others out of our own strength, in wisdom and power. And yet we see in the experience of these early Christians, even in Peter and John, who are leaders in this community, seeing the emptiness of earthly goods and wealth and the human power to be able to make a difference in this world. These early believers discovered a whole new identity in Christ and in community that motivated them to completely reimagine 
how to share and channel the resources God had given them for the benefit of all. All the while, we live in a world that is hungry and in desperate need, not of what we can do, but of what no man can do. We live in a world that is lame and broken in need of God's healing and transformation. And too often, I think we try and do church and ministry out of our own strength and power with our own insight, and we don't take the time to wait on the power of the Spirit to descend on us, to empower us, and to give us the insight and the wisdom how to channel that power to those who are in desperate need. But when we do, we have amazing stories of how God transforms our understanding of how he wants to use us, that we become a channel of his power and a blessing to those around us. God in Christ invites each one of us to reimagine how the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit wants to transform your identity this morning. How, how the power of the Holy Spirit wants to transform my identity this morning, making us channels of his power to transform the lives of other people and allowing us to discover our greatest calling and purpose as we are used by God. Now, these stories of miraculous power and healing are, are so amazing. And, 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 and the apostle Peter, Saint Peter, is a man who is revered throughout Christian history now as one of the, the founders and leaders of the church. And yet we know that Peter himself was a humble and often broken man. One of the things that is so fun about being able to go to Chicago, I've had a chance to go there uh, over the years for midwinter conferences, and I actually uh, had the privilege of living there with my family for a few years when I was a teenager. Uh, but it's a fun city to visit. And I, I had the, the fun of playing tour guide to, to Greg and Kara on a Wednesday afternoon and evening. They, they have a free time. And so we hopped on the elevated train and went down to downtown Chicago, and we went to one of my favorite spots, the Art Institute of Chicago. And I was so excited to take them there because it's not only is an amazing place with full all kinds of art, but my, my favorite painting is there. And I got to visit my favorite painting. And the painting is called The Penitent St. Peter. And it was painted by a, a guy years and years ago named Rivera. I have some pictures of it. It's a little dark. You won't be able to see. But there's the, the painting hanging on the wall. It's probably like eight feet tall on the, on the wall in this uh, uh, Root Gallery in the, in the uh, Institute there. Uh, we can zoom in a little bit. And you can kind of begin to see that what I love about this painting, oh yeah, that helps a little bit, is it, 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 it in my mind, it captures a poignant and intimate moment between St. Peter and God. The artist seems to have captured and frozen a moment of Peter talking with God, engaging God, and crying out in his spirit. And, 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 and I love the eyes. Maybe we can zoom in one more time. But if you can kind of see that the eyes are, are so emotion-filled, it's like maybe he's about to be on the verge of tears, or maybe he's been crying for a long time, and he's, he's lifting one hand to heaven, and he's holding the other hand in his heart, and he's just pleading with God, out of the brokenness of his life. Now, the, the, the uh, placard that's next to it suggests that maybe the artist was uh, painting that moment after Peter denied Jesus three times and brokenhearted he was coming to God. But, but if you look at the picture, for me, he's old. <laughs> right? 
I mean, I think of Peter denying Jesus as this, you know, early 20-something or even a late teen, you know, impetuous guy. But here, I'm imagining Peter after a lifetime of ministry and service in the kingdom of God and, and seeing miraculous healings of people. And yet, even in his older age, recognizing whenever he tries to lead out of his own human strength and wisdom, he just continues to mess it up. <laughs> And each of us, if we're really honest, no matter how long we've walked with God or how much amazing ministry we've seen or been able to participate in, how many of us don't find these moments when we're quiet and alone and the world begins to seem dark around us and we find ourselves crying out to God, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I need your mercy and your grace because it's really not about my own strength and it's not about my own ability and it's not about me trying to earn your love. It's about me trying to remember that if I humble myself and I open myself to the power of your spirit, that you are the one who does the work in and through me. And what a gift that Peter is to us to see the power of God at work in his life, bringing healing to somebody in desperate need. And what a great example that even we who continue to sin and make mistakes are invited to recognize that God calls each one of us friend that we are friends of God. And no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, each day we are invited again to open ourselves to the power of God's Spirit, to transform our own sense of identity in Christ and to lead us on a path to become what God has intended for each of us from the beginning and to participate in what no man can do. As we've been telling the stories of our early faith community and these early Christians, we've also wanted to begin to tell stories of faith from, from today and the people who are right here. And uh, Anthony Apellis has agreed to share some of his testimony and story with us. So Anthony, would you come up? And Greg, do we have that microphone? Can I borrow that? Awesome. Yeah, you can use the stand. Absolutely. You can use the sit, the stand, the walk. Yeah, we can pull the chair right over. You want, me to, you want me to put a little fire in the fireplace for you? You should have seen what they did for our Bert last night. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, everyone. So what's up? What's, how you doing, brother? Good, Good to see you. Thank you so much for being willing to share today. Uh, you know, Anthony, how, how is the power of the Holy Spirit transformed your own sense of identity and who God has shaped and called you to be. Yeah, he's played a huge role. You know, there was a, there was a time in my own personal life, as is with any young man, you know, especially when they're starting out in their career, um, that you feel like you're, you're in control. You've got this amount of confidence in yourself, and you feel that you're really the captain of your own destiny. You know, so I, early in my career, you know, I was in the in management at Boeing, and it was going well, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I can take this thing as far as I want to go with this, and my roles, my, my own identity back then was, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, we just um, had our first child, and I'm a manager at Boeing, and that, that's really what defined me, and for a lot of men, our careers are our identity, we, we, ha- we get a lot of definition just from our work. And if I fulfilled those roles, then I thought to myself, you know, then, then I'll find success. And then that's where I will find fulfillment in my life. But I remember it was in the spring 
of the early 1990s when my wife and I, we answered an altar call and at all places at an Amway convention. <laughs> so yes, the Holy Spirit can even use an Amway convention. <laughs> so we were invited by some really good friends of ours to, to attend with, with them. And so we went down to Portland and we attended the convention and we answered the altar call. And there's a lot of ironies in this. You know, so we go down there to this convention sponsored by a company who is well known for selling soap, right? We end up getting our souls scrubbed and cleansed. <laughs> and not only that, we're, we're down there looking to see how we can increase our wealth in our lives. Yet we walk out of there with a wealth that, is, that far exceeds any silver and gold. We walked out of there with salvation of our sins and eternal life. Not received by a company by the name of Amway, but received by a savior by the name of Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way. And it just, it just blows my mind how the Holy Spirit and the power of his work. You know, we, on that day, our identities, both Julie and, and my identity, it was absolutely transformed. You know, no, yes, I was still a husband. I was still a father. I was still a manager at Boeing. But those roles were subservient to my new role, and that was a servant of God. My occupation is to be a witness for Jesus Christ in this world. My purpose is to help mature God's people and to magnify and glorify him. My whole life changed, and it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. As you have walked on this journey then with Jesus, how has the power of the Holy Spirit been able to work in you uh, to be a channel of his love and power to other people in your life? Yeah, in so, so many different ways. You know, too many to count, really. But there's, there's some biggies, you know, in our lives where there's just some pinnacle moments in your walk that really really where the Holy Spirit is, is, is really magnified. Um, for me, there's three biggies. So the calling into Bible study fellowship. So I, I've been there for 13 years now. That was a big one. Um, but also the calling, answering the call for um, an elder and a council member here at Faith Covenant. So that was six years. And then recently, you know, when I stepped out of council, um, I answered the call as vitality team leader. You know, and I remember that conversation you and I had. You know, you asked me, so when I stepped out of council, Kurt goes, okay, so what are you going to do now? And I said, I don't know. I'm just going to wait for God's call. Mental note, if you tell Kurt that you're going to wait for a call, <laughs> guaranteed he's going to call you. <laughs> so he gave me a call and asked if I would answer that call for the Vitality team, and, and I did. Uh, but, you know, in each one of those situations, I, I felt, I always felt, and, and I'm sure everybody in this room shares these same feelings. Yet tell God, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong person. I, I don't have what it takes. I'm not capable to accomplish this calling. Um, there's somebody I am sure that's better out there to answer this calling. But, you know, that's exactly where he wants us to be. That is the process that we have to go through. And it's really called... Um, a process of surrender. 
we have, I had to come to the end of myself, especially answering the call to Bible study fellowship, and say, God, I have nothing. I come before your altar. I mean, I am naked. I have nothing. And it made me realize he's not interested in our abilities. He's only interested in our availability. And it was through the power of his Holy Spirit that he, he gives us the abilities to, to answer that call. And it's interesting because each time that I hear his call in my life, I have to go through that process over again. And each time I go through that process, God reveals something new about himself to me. But he also helps me discover some things about myself. Some of those things are good. <laughs> some of those things, he tells me, you need a little bit more work here. But every time I answer that call, it's a new spin in that process. Awesome. How has the uh, power of the Spirit at work in your life through all these experiences from Boeing executive and father to BSF leader to leader in the church uh, given you a greater sense of your purpose in life, why, why you're here? Yeah, you know, you know, as I mentioned earlier in my career, it was all about success, you know, in the business world. It was all about the accumulation of worldly possessions and trying to develop that, that lifestyle of comfort. Uh, but when you are transformed, you start to see the world in a different light. The things that used to attract you have lost their luster. You know, there were times in my career um, that I was given the opportunity to promote my position. And knowing that it would affect my ministry to God, I turned them down. And it's happened on a couple of occasions. But here's the blessing in all that. I do not, I would rather stand before our, our Lord on that day and say, yes, I passed up opportunities in my career, but I didn't pass up the opportunity to serve you. I don't want to have that conversation where he, would, where he asked me, what did you do with this opportunity? I said, well, Lord, I thought my career was a little bit more important. But it only takes, it takes a regeneration. It takes a total transformation of self in order to get to that point. And, and folks, I am not done. There's still some work that he is doing on me right now. But it is called sacrificial living. That is really where I had to get. It, it's, it's, what, it's where I find my purpose. It's where I, found, I find my value in life. I totally have to die to self. But it's a, day, it's a daily process. Sometimes it's moment by moment. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I trust that God has made you a blessing to so many people throughout the years through BSF, and I know that you have been a huge blessing and a gift to me and to our church in this season. So I just want to say thank you for your willingness to respond to the call and let the Holy Spirit lead. Well, you know, and so one thing that he also teaches me is I, I can boast of nothing about any accomplishments, any skills or success. I can only boast in Christ. Hmm. You know, I, I, I love driving by the sign this morning, and that, what does that sign say? Anything that is over our head is under God's feet. So even when, if you are called by God and you feel that you cannot answer that call, you don't have what it takes, just remember that he is, it's part of the transformation process. He'll provide. You just have to trust and, and, and take that step of faith. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, thank you.
After our services today, we are moving into our annual all-church celebration, an annual meeting, where we are going to be looking at uh, this last ministry year and telling God's stories about where we've seen God show up and be at work in our lives. We're going to be looking at our sense of mission and vision for the year ahead, and we're going to be approving our budget and talking about silver and gold. And I think God is inviting us as a congregation, not only today and in our annual meeting, but in this season of life ahead as we go through the vitality process and we engage in conversation with the Holy Spirit through that work, that we seek to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do as a church not what we can do in our own strength, not what we can accomplish in our own wisdom, but to allow the Holy Spirit to really invade and empower our hearts and our minds, leading us to do the things that no person can do. To bring the miraculous power that raised Jesus from the dead, to give us a new sense of identity and who God is calling us to be as a faith community so that we can allow that power to flow through us as we bring our resources together, gifts of time, talent, and treasure for God's mission of love in this world not for our own egos, not for our own exaltation, but really so that we can be humbled, as Anthony shared, so that God can exalt us and we can be excited that God is using us to further his plan in his kingdom. Rather than coming together, rather coming together, we want to have everything in common so that we can offer the world around us that healing and that restoration that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. Amen? Let's pray.